0: Welcome back to Noah's Window. We're doing a few unusual things this week. So today I thought we might um, pitch to Mark a couple of frequently asked questions. And um, the first one is is um, I've, I've had come up and some of you have asked, especially if you're reading through the Old Testament and maybe even as you're reading through the um, New Testament, um, when there was the Passover supper and, and they always had um, a bread that had no yeast. Yeah. And so what is the significance of that?
1: Well it's true, and you just see this over and over in the Old Testament, and then Jesus even talked about it a little bit in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. The people ate if, if you grew up in church like I did, and you heard a lot of verses from the Bible, it might you might have heard unleavened bread, which mm-hmm. just means it doesn't have There's any no yeast it, it, no mm-hmm. yeast. So what was the deal? What was God so upset about with yeast? Well, the one thing I do know is that yeast was always a type of sin. Mm-hmm. And Marielle you know a lot more about cooking than I do. And by the way, let me just say this real quickly. There's not a problem in the New Testament era with having yeast in bread. It's not right. that. God was trying to get a message across to right. the Jews in the Old Testament.
0: Well, and the one time Jesus talked about the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and, yeah. and the disciples like, oh no, we had bread. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but Jesus was talking about a spiritual right. thing. So let's right. talk about what that spiritual thing is. Right. And then I'd love to get your take on maybe the practical aspects of this. But yeast was always a type of sin. right? And I know that there are certain qualities of yeast that help us understand God's problem with yeast. I mean, again, it wasn't a physical problem. God was like trying to teach a lesson and it it wasn't like, it It was was not not like they could never use yeast. It was just that there were certain days and certain kinds of Mm -hmm. presentations that they were to make without yeast. So what is it about yeast from a physical standpoint that speaks about sin? From a well, if spiritual. you
0: ever uh, use yeast or sour, you know if you do sourdough bread and you create the sourdough starter, that is, it's a fermentation. It's it's a corruption. It's it's um, whatever that is, whether it's flour or even if you're um, several different things you can do that ferment. It's it's beginning to uh, digest, and it, and one of the things about yeast is it always spreads. So you yeah. can take a very small amount of yeast, just a little spoon of yeast, and you can have an effect on a very large piece of dough and it also grows.
1: Well that's the thing that I think is probably the the best application for why God had a problem with it in certain applications in the old testament, because sin has a way of growing. I mean mm-hmm. you and I mm-hmm. in our lives have watched, you know, thousands of people that we've had the privilege of ministering to and oftentimes a Christ follower get just a little bit off. You mm-hmm. know, and they would say, Well this is not a big thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's just it's just one sin, you know. I can I can do this, and I'm going to be okay. But then we've watched as that sin has grown and grown and grown. Then eventually, it takes over.
0: Or if you have a little bit, for instance, if you have truth, but you corrupt that Ooh, truth yeah. with a little bit of of lies, then you have you no longer have the truth.
1: Wow, that's so important. Yeah. Well, you know, for for me again, I want to make sure that everybody understands. It's not like God is saying using yeast is a sin. I mean, Uh we used it every day. He just wanted to teach a lesson, and that's why you see those references in the
0: special occasions. And even as we were reading this morning, even in the Old Testament, there were times where. Um, the Lord would say, you can even bring yeasted bread right, you know, right. as a sacrifice. So it, there's nothing
1: sinful about it. It's just it was a special time. Can I circle back to something you said mm-hmm. a moment ago? Because you mentioned Jesus speaking about it and speaking about it in spiritual terms. He said, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Well, he was talking about hypocrisy there. Right. And so clearly, that's a God was trying to say to the people in the Old Testament, like you said a moment ago, don't corrupt the truth. You know, right. It, it, it be, be, be real. God can always do business with honest people. Right. You know.
0: Okay, so second question that we get asked a lot, and I felt like maybe if, if Mark answers that here, it will help a lot of people because I know this question comes up a lot. So uh, what about the, um, the idea of cremation? You know if if we know there's going to be a resurrection and that concerns a lot of people um talk a little bit about what does the bible say about cremation
1: well i know it's become a lot a lot larger issue I, mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day i think i've done over 1200 funerals uh i think my first one was when i was 16. Mm-hmm. you know but uh when i first started in the ministry i don't recall you know, like the first five years ever having a cremation you know today it's flipped, and probably mm-hmm. seventy, maybe eighty percent of the funerals that I do are cremation. So I get this question sometimes: What about cremation? Let me just go right to the chase. The Bible doesn't forbid it. It's just not something that the Bible refers to. Um, one of the questions that I think we also got is that someone was saying, "What about the, what about the molecules? You know, mm-hmm. what if they can't be found?" Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to make the point that, that God knows where every molecule, Everyone. God knows where every atom mm-hmm. is. And uh, there's nothing that's hidden from God in all the universe. I'm gonna go to a really, really sensitive place, but hopefully this will help someone. The only the only people who know this are my family. But when my mom and dad were getting close to passing and, and, and dying, uh, actually dad, dad, I'm sorry. It was when dad was getting close to dying. Uh, dad decided he wanted to be buried in a different cemetery in, in Texas than they had originally planned to be buried. Uh, They had been, this is too much information, but they had set up arrangements, you know, 60 years ago to be buried in a little cemetery in Bertram, but there was a cemetery outside of Burnett called Hoover's Valley, actually a little town of Hoover's Valley, and so as dad was getting closer to passing, he decided he wanted to be buried in Hoover's Valley. What really made it a challenge was my brother Roger had been interred in Mount Zion Cemetery. So it was a really difficult decision for my mom and dad. But dad, he sat down with me uh, just a month or so before he died. And he said, Mark, I'd like to be buried in Hoover's Valley. So at that point, I kind of had the responsibility of moving my brother's remains from um, Mount Zion Cemetery to Hoover's Valley Cemetery. And I had a lot of help from my uncle who's very successful businessman in that area and he pulled a lot of strings for me and made it happen but here's the part that's really sensitive Um, when we tried to move the remains of my brother he had been interred I think in 1953 in a thin wooden casket and there were just no remains to find Hmm. and so I you know that my family asked me what I would wish and I said let's just remove all the soil from that one area and move it to the other. Now that's something I really am hesitant to share, but I just want to make a point. I want to make the point that even though we struggled to do that, it was not a struggle for God. No, it's not a struggle. And, uh, which, by the way, it was a really interesting service because I had a service, Mary Alice and Stephen mm-hmm. were with me, and probably about 70 members of the Hoover family, we gathered together in the chapel in Hoover's Valley, and we had a service. And uh, Even though I was not even alive when Roger uh, passed, I, I preached a sermon there for that second funeral, and, and Stephen played the piano. But here's what I do know. I know that God knows everything. He knows where everything is. The term Adam comes from two Greek words, the negative prefix a and the Greek word Tomas. It's really a word for time. Mm -hmm. But what it means is a unit so small, it cannot be divided. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to matter, even if it's a unit so small, so invisible that it can't be divided, God knows where it is. And this is one more thing that's kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, and it has to do with the subject at hand. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when the Bible talks about Jesus returning to the earth, it's the Greek word that we have translated Adam, when the Bible says, in an instant. Basically what it means is, mm-hmm. in a unit, so, a unit of time so small that it can't be divided, that's how fast Jesus is going to come. So for me, mm-hmm. that's the issue you know whether a person decides to cremate or they decide for burial uh, you know that's that's every like the bible says every person needs to be fully persuaded in their own mind but it's just something the bible doesn't speak to the good news is that when a person knows Jesus Christ as lord and savior whether they're cremated or buried we know that God knows where every atom is and he will be able to reconstruct into a new body. A new, I was going to say it's going to be new, new anyway. Yeah, that will new. that will never deconstruct yeah. or never decay. That's the that's the good news.
0: Nothing can keep God from doing no. from resurrecting us. You know, whether a person was their body was blown up in an explosion. I mean, there's yeah. just there's nothing well, that can prevent you know, him from resurrection. I was resurrection. down
1: I was down a little bit about the situation with Roger that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I got the word. But then, you know what, what caused me to just be overjoyed? I remembered that the first human being was made out of dust. That's right. Made out of That's dust. Right. So at that point, I thought, I'm not going to worry about this. God knows where our dust is. God knows where our dust is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so no worries on that. Right. That's good. Well, can we cl- close in a word of prayer this morning?
1: Oh, let's do. Father, we are thankful that you have made a way for us to get to know you while we live in this broken body. But in knowing you, we recognize that the real person that we are is going to live forever with you. And so, Father, I do pray that anyone who is stressing over these kinds of issues, may they find peace in leaving it with you. And we do ask that you would help us not to allow the leaven of sin into our lives that can corrupt and break down. Oh, Father, we pray that you'll help us to be purely honest before you and that we will celebrate the fact that we're going to live forever with Jesus. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, God bless all of you, and we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow on Thursday here on Noah's Window. Take care.